You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Do you have a sense of why you're sitting here? Why Utah was willing to trade you? Uh, that's a good question, I think. You know, I think, um, I mean, obviously losing Quinn. Uh, Quinn was, you know, was there for eight years. was a big part of what we were doing. Uh, you know, there's uh, sometimes, there's uh, some... The window for winning is not always big, and then for us in Utah, that's kind of what happened. You know, uh, I think the organization felt like that we had maybe passed that, that window that we had over the last few years, and and I think they're still obviously going to be a very competitive team, but they just felt like with all the assets that they could get with me, um, that it was better for them to to go that way. Doogie, well, good good question point there for Doogie. <laughs> Did you only fish, one did you, point? Did you fish pump it. Yeah, it's one How point. about extra credit? Don't I get at least like double points for that? No. Why would you get double points? He gave you a good because question. Go bear. Oh, because he's, he's tall. Because he's tall, you get it. Oh, we, we don't you give don't out point for us. Yeah, we don't, you don't get points for us. Well, you know, English is not his first language, and so yeah, you broke the the language barrier there too. Oh, maybe it's a point and a half. Oh, come right, on, come on! I've gotten good questions from players. I don't get a point and a half. If you get one from Kirk Cousins, we'll give you two points, okay? But see, that's here's your, that's your like, challenge. Kevin O'Connell, it's like every other question. Yeah, that's Hey, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. Right. Rudy no, Gobert only said, good question. He took, what, 9, 10, 11 questions yesterday? Yeah. He only said, good question, one time. Hey. That, to me, is worth extra credit. Hey, oh, I'm biased, that's... admittedly, but I should get at least a point and a half. And that's because you had the guts to basically say, if I may reinterpret your question, why did the Jazz send you packing? Are you useless at this point? <laughs> Have you gone over the age cliff? Talk about the age cliff. People hate this trade, Rudy. <laughs> Why are you going to justify this nonsense being a good deal? I will give my colleague Joe Schmidt credit for asking Connolly a very direct question about this move defining his legacy. Regardless of whatever else takes place over the next few years, he has the five-year contract. But this will define... Tim Connolly, how we judge him years out, right? We'll look back at this week and say, okay, did Tim Connolly succeed or fail as president of operations here? Yeah. I love Joe coming in because he, he does this. Joe's been around for like 40 years in the local media, and he, he loves to ask the big sort of like the legacy type questions. We need Joe to come in there and ask the big, the big headline legacy questions by the way, this is uh, Reckless Speculation Thursday. Yes, happy Reckless Speculation, Speculation Thursday. Yeah, to all who celebrate. Darren Doogie Wolfson, he is from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast, inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. And uh, Judd brought this up in our little email exchange, and I think it's worth exploring here, that the, the Timberwolves clearly felt, I mean, Tim Connolly was here for 15 minutes and makes this massive franchise-altering trade, right? And and Chris Finch made a couple points about how they didn't want this thing to go backwards. 
the Western Conference is pretty damn good, one through like 11, one through like 12. We've talked about it on this show, and you've got the Blazers are going to get better. The Lakers are probably going to find a way to get better, and the Pelicans. So you, you, you might not be able to run it back and expect to just make the playoffs or make the play-in again. So how much was there a fear of moving backwards if they didn't do something big this summer, Doogie? I don't think it was a great fear, Phil. I really don't. Like, they could have run this thing back pretty much status quo. Like, they weren't missing the play-in. Now, maybe the ceiling was the play-in. Maybe the ceiling was the seven seed again, having to open on the road again in the playoffs if you advance beyond the play-in. But I don't sense there was this great fear. Tim Connolly has that five years of security. He could have waited this thing out, maximized maximum cap space one summer from now. And I can promise you, Phil, that was bandied about at Mayo Clinic Square. They had many conversations about whether, hey, should we go all in right now or do we wait one summer from now? Ultimately, they decided a player of Gobert's caliber just doesn't hit the market often, and the time was now to strike. They also had a good sense that Gobert really, really wanted to be here. You know, I've said, I don't know if I would have had the cojones, right, the onions, the balls, to execute that trade, but I understand Thanks the Wolves doing it. I love how you worked so your way. You worked your way up to the yeah. word there. Yeah. The watermelons, yeah. the cantaloupes, <laughs> the balls. <laughs> your balls. But like they knew that Gobert, you know, he wanted to be here. I'm not convinced because I said I would have. I would have waited out the KD situation in Brooklyn. Not that Brooklyn is any closer to a trade today than they were days ago. You know, Brooklyn may stretch this thing out into September, into October. Who knows? Maybe even into the season, right? The regular season, mid-October, into November. But I would have maybe waited out that situation just to see. But, like, I feel confident telling you, KD, not real interested in being here in Minnesota. Rudy Gobert wanted to be here. I heard two things. And, Phil, if you would be so kind as to sound the reckless speculation sound. Here's what I Reckless. Speculation. One is, Dukes, I think you're right. Like, I don't think that there was a fear, but I do think that there is no longer, and this probably starts at the top with, with the two guys who are prepared to buy the team in waiting. So, like, I, I think that there is an inherent pressure, not that people are going to lose their jobs like Fincher Conley for sure, but that they want to win now. And I think what they did, and if we reverse engineer this entire thing, I think what they did was they watched the playoffs back against uh, Memphis. And we all said, what happens in the playoffs with Gobert if a team goes small? And they said, yeah, but if we play that series again like we did with that same team, we're screwed again. And the reality is, if you go back and watch that series, the Wolves should have won it. Like the Wolves blew an opportunity. If they had had the right personnel structure, at least that series they win. The second thing that I heard, and this is like trying to read between the lines of what they are explaining without saying it. We all said, we think D'Lo is probably gone. I think they said, okay, if we do that, we're not going to maximize his return. So what can we potentially do to maximize him now? And Gobert helps a lot with him as well. So like, I think that this is very strategic. And I think part of the thing that we have to rewire our wolves brains on is this 
I don't think the patience of of the apple pie days from my wife enjoy a slice of pie and a, how about some basketball as well. I think those days are gone. I think that there is a business um, and it's strategic, a business reason, arena, season tickets, why this team feels a pressure to be as good as possible now in what is an incredibly competitive sports market. Yes, I agree with that. Don't leave out the lasagna, by the way. Potato salad. Yeah. Tim, do do yeah. not sleep on the lasagna. Okay. Tim Connolly. Did you say apple pie? Because, I mean, the pecking order of yeah. Yeah. Becky's foods is probably I lasagna. I was trying to use a quick example. Burgers, and potato salad. I would say, yeah. yeah. So just to, just to be clear. Although she's pro-dessert. Oh. I think it's more, I'm not necessarily it's sure cool. it's apple pie. You know, it might be. Oh, it's Becky's know, apple pie. Pumpkin lemon meringue. I lemon meringue. I, I, can, oh. I can dig oh. on that. If somebody wants that scoop, I'll reach oh, out pumpkin. to Glenn in a little bit. In fact, sure. carrot cake. Glenn wasn't there yesterday. You know, A-Rod wasn't there. Mark Glory wasn't there, which surprised me a little bit. So I would yep. like to track down, you know, at least one, if not multiple of those people. So that's on my on my to-do list, although I'm taking a few days off here over the next few. But I definitely want to track down at least one, if not multiple. So if I track down Glenn, I'll ask him what, what Becky's go-to dessert is. But, yeah, I mean, Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez, you know, much like they drove the bus entirely on Tim Connolly landing here, they were very pro adding Rudy Gobert. I don't want to necessarily paint it as they drove the bus on this. Connolly drove the bus. In fact, I think Connolly thought about trying to swing for the fences on Gobert if he was still in Denver, I was just going to bring that up. Bear with Jokic. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting. The, as quickly as this came together, it's like he takes the job, and it was like the framework of this trade was being discussed immediately. And a couple people hit me up on Twitter and said, "Do you think he was thinking about this?" Actually, no, John. It was did John Hollinger write about? It? Somebody wrote about this too. But yeah, like, would this have happened in Denver? Interesting. I mean, I don't know if the Cronkies would have given. Connolly permission to go deep into the luxury tax if Denver was willing to part. Now, they probably would not have had to part with Jamal Murray, so I think they probably could have put together the pieces. But did they have the money to make it work? But I guess you would have looked at Will Barton's contract, you know, Monty Morris. You know, you look at those two guys, Calvin Booth, moving on from those guys, but I don't think Connolly would have been against moving on from those guys. So they probably could have found a way to make it work. You know, because if Utah was willing to to negotiate with Minnesota, you know, clearly they would have negotiated with Denver if Denver was offering the most. But, yeah, Judd, that is interesting, um, the new arena angle, you know, season ticket base angle. You know, at some point here pretty quick, you know, after next season, season ticket prices are going to rise significantly, right? So, you know, there is a revenue aspect to all this. There is a long play aspect to all this in addition to the short-term play that they feel like they are now a top four team in the Western conference that they will far exceed 46 wins. When I say far, if you get to 51, 52, 53, that to me is far exceeding 46 because that 50 win threshold is a, is a pretty significant number to hit. So if you get over that to me, that's a pretty sizable leap, but they feel like they have assembled a top four team in the Western Conference. Let me also add something I gleaned after the press conference, talking to some people close to Gobert that were there. There were four teams total that had serious talks with Utah, the Wolves being one of the four. So then we wonder who were the other three. I couldn't get the person to crack on who the three were. I tried. But, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say Chicago was one. 
you know, reckless speculation. I do wonder about Toronto. I wonder about Atlanta. There's a few other teams I wonder about, but I'm not sure anybody was willing to offer what the Wolves offered. That's why it was a very easy yes for Danny Ainge. And I think there's truth to what Rudy Gobert said, that they had capped out in Utah, right? They tried. And, like, if they brought back Gobert with now this young coach, Hardy, you know, like, I don't think, you know, Quinn Snyder was the problem. Put it that way. Quinn Snyder is a very good coach. He'll be a coach again in this league as soon as two seasons from now. He'll take next season off and be a coach somewhere in two seasons. Maybe San Antonio after Greg Popovich retires. But Quinn Snyder is a really, really good coach. Talk to people in the league. So, like, Quinn Snyder wasn't the problem. The personnel was more the problem. They had hit their peak. And so I get it from Utah's standpoint. But, hey, for the Wolves, swing for the fences. Because if this doesn't work, I brought this up yesterday with Judd, Phil. If this doesn't work, you know what this sets up? A Carl Anthony Towns trade in, like, two to three years where you could recoup your 25 first-round pick if need be. Or certainly your 27 and 29, although 29 is top five protected. But point is, like, you could recoup multiple first-round picks plus some young assets you know, legitimate talent if this thing doesn't work and you ultimately move Carl Anthony Towns. I'm glad you brought this up. There's a, there's a couple of interesting angles here off what you just said, but a quick shout-out to our friends Declan at Aquaside during these summer months, helping to keep your lakeside area clean and free from gunk. That's right. I was jumping off the dock in uh, Shell Lake, Wisconsin, over the last week and over the fourth mm. with the summer of Surly. And, and when I when I hit the ground there, when I when I ran off the dock, number one, my ankle stayed intact, so that was good. But also, I did <laughs> oh, not. No, oh, God, my ankle! <laughs> um, I did not step in any algae or that nasty lake weed because there's nothing worse. Nothing would kill a vibe from a beautiful summer day than stepping on that lake weed or algae. Mm. And Aquaside uh, can help kill that lake weed and algae if it's in your lake home. It's, it's a safe product too. It's registered with the EPA. And the DNR, it's Aquaside Pellets. It's do-it-yourself. They'll walk you through how to use it. You can uh, visit them in White Bear Lake if you're in the Twin Cities. But you can also just go to Aquaside.com to learn more. Aquaside.com to learn more. A shout-out to our friends, too, at Equity Partner. So we had a chance a few months ago to meet uh, a friend of Purple Daily, Ryan, loyal listener of Score North and Purple Daily, and got talking about his business, Equity Partners, which makes the selling process 100% hassle-free if you're in the market to sell. And one of the biggest pains is trying to line up selling your house with timing of buying a house and then any remodeling work that needs to be done to maximize the value of your home. Well, with the WeHab program, Equity Partners will partner with you to fix up your home before you put it on the market, anything from simple fixes to full remodels. And you can move before you sell. You can put offers in on your next home non-contingent on the sale of your home, which is huge. EquityPartnersMN.com to find out more. EquityPartnersMN.com. Okay, Doogie. So Reckless speculation. I think people are making – the national media is just hammering this trade up and down, and uh, it's kind of fascinating to just hear one person after another line up to bash the Timberwolves. But two things off that. Number one, they didn't have to do this. You know, Tim Connolly, no one was going to say, all right, Tim Connolly, you took the job. You have to make a big move right now. So so he's choosing to do this for strategic reasons. Chris Finch's career wasn't going to be put in jeopardy. He's not going to green light this from a coaching standpoint if they don't believe this can work. And so why would they do this if they don't think it can work? These are smart people. But then let's say it, quote, unquote, doesn't work. What's the worst case scenario? I think they're still going to make the playoffs on a regular basis. And so, so if it doesn't work, it's going to be early exits, right? Like the Jazz, first round exit second round exit, 
But if that's the worst case scenario and Anthony Edwards spends ages 21 through 25 in the playoffs taking lumps and then emerging into his prime on a max contract in 2025, 26, is that the worst thing? The, the, the doom and gloom stuff is puzzling to me. Like the worst case scenario is you're in the playoffs now winning 50 games and Anthony Edwards is playing relevant basketball as he grows into his prime. And Anthony Edwards is not turning down the max contract he'll get offered coming off his rookie deal. Like, guys just don't turn that down. So Anthony Edwards will be under Wolves team control for many, many more years. I've had the Herschel Walker comp oh God. in my Twitter mentions often. Phil, I saw you tweet about it. I think Vikings fans forget because they fixate on the Cowboys winning multiple Super Bowls. I think they forget that the Vikings were not a train wreck. After the Herschel Walker trade, they were actually pretty good for many years. Certainly competitive, <laughs> right? So I guess the yeah. comp would be as, as you're laying it out, first round exit or second round exit. And hey, second round exit, we're talking about a franchise that has been to the second round of the playoffs one time, one time in its existence, right? So we will happily take a second round playoff series here. On the Walker front too. Um, and I, I want to ask your interpretation of this as well, Dukes. The one thing that people completely forget is this. Jerry Burns basically told GM Mike Lynn at the time, don't do that. And Mike Lynn's like, no, it's a splash move. It's a splash move. And Burns, he, you know, God bless him, ran a West Coast offense, which is not North-South. And Herschel was a North-South guy. So basically what you got was a running back who had – certainly star potential, but didn't fit the system. Uh, Finch mentioned yesterday, in fact, I think Connolly said this, that as soon as they started to talk about Gobert, Finch went to the whiteboard and basically started to come up with plans. And as a hoops junkie, what do you think Finch can possibly do with the Gobert-Towns tandem that, that we haven't seen that's going because like I think we just think it's too big it's not going to work twin towers don't work now Chris Finch is a very smart basketball guy so clearly he's got ideas what's your guess about what the ideas are to make both Gobert and Towns when they're on the floor not only coexist but coexist really successfully yes I'll get to that great job painting the Jerry Burns picture outside of him using clean language, right? There may have been <laughs> yeah, a mother after a couple other I wish we could. You know, choice words can't do that. Uh-uh. delivered to, to Mike Lynn. But yeah, I mean, you're right about where, where Burnsy sat. I think you're going to see, and Finch brought this up, and when he said it, this was after the press conference, you know, a few of us in a tiny circle, you know, lobbed him some questions. He brought it up, and I had to pause for a second. Then I thought, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he's not lying to us. The Wolves had... Five for the season lob dunks last year. Wow. Rudy Gobert, by himself in Utah, had over 80 lob dunks. <laughs> Interesting. So we will see more lob dunks than we've seen. I'll tell you this much. Like, Twin Towers can work, Judd. Mobley and Allen in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Look at Boston last season playing Al Horford. Robert Williams together a lot. Finch was in New Orleans. Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. Finch was in Denver, Nurkic, and Jokic. 
we can see this work. But certainly the pick and roll, like Gobert's as good a roller as there is in the league, right? So, like, you're going to see D'Angelo Russell succeed in the pick and roll with Gobert. You know, I mean, that's just – that's one thing instantly. And you're going to see guys be able to gamble more on defense, right? When you know you've got Gobert protecting the rim, the best rim protector in the league, you'll be able to take some more chances on the perimeter. So those are a couple things that that instantly come to mind. You know, you're going to see, you know, the pick and pop, you know, with Cat taking more three-pointers. I'm sure we'll see Cat taking more three-pointers on the, on the pick and pop. You know, where, where Gobert's going to be closer to the rim and Cat pops out to the three-point line. You know, but like from a strategic standpoint, I think about Delos last year in Brooklyn with Jared Allen. You know, think about the way those two play. Go back and watch the video. It's on YouTube. Go back and watch D'Lo with Jared Allen that final year in Brooklyn, then envision Gobert doing some of those same things. I'm not suggesting Gobert and Allen have the same offensive skill set, but Gobert is capable of doing a lot of what Jared Allen can do. Like, just go watch that video. That'll be Gobert with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, and Dukes, there's just I know that Gobert is not a guy that you're going to run a lot of offensive sets for. He's not going to he's not going to create his own shot. Like, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns can kind of do whatever he wants. He can dribble drive, cross over, step back. He's this unicorn, and that's not Gobert. But what Gobert can do offensively is score 15 or 16 points on eight shots. And basketball is a game where it's it's a clock that runs out. You have a finite number of shot opportunities. And so from an efficiency standpoint, he's one of the most efficient offensive players in the league. Not one of the best, but in terms of how many points he produces on how many f- shots or how few shots he takes, whether it's lobs or cleanups or you know rolling to the basket on pick and roll, you get yeah, to I mean, start we'll each game that. with 15 points on eight shots. That's great yeah. for the offense. But, I mean, Finch is going to find some different ways. He brought this up yesterday. Like, there are certain things he's going to ask Gobert to do that Gobert didn't do in Utah. Like, he feels like Gobert... Like, get to the third round of the playoffs. Top of the key. You know, maybe, you know, some sets, you know, start with Gobert top of the key before he gets down low. So, trust me, like, you can look at the blueprint of how Quinn Snyder used Gobert in Utah, but that's not going to be exactly how Chris Finch is going to use Gobert here. Yeah. God dang it, I'm so excited. we gotta, we got to wait three months now. You should be. And, hey, I get the pessimism that in the playoffs, how are you going to make this work? You know, whoever you play in the playoffs, they'll put five shooters on the floor. How the heck is Gobert going to defend the three-point line? Like, and I understand some of those questions. I also think the personnel here is different than what Gobert had in Utah, mm-hmm. that the personnel he was around, the other four guys on the floor in Utah, if you go back, even the Warriors series from a few years ago, but certainly the Clippers series of a couple years ago, the Dallas series this past year, like some of, you know, the issues Utah had, not all on Gobert. Like some of his teammates had something to do with that too. Yeah, yes. Right? So it's different personnel here. So, you know, and guess what, by the way? You know, if you're playing, you name the team, if you're playing Dallas in the playoffs come late April, early May, Dallas has five shooters on the floor, you know, then Cat has to take advantage on the offensive end. Oh, my right? gosh. Then Cat should have a clear advantage on the offensive end, right? And you'll just have to rotate incredibly well. Like, Chris Finch was very direct yesterday after the press conference saying, like, and you don't make a move like this. I mean, I guess maybe this goes without saying, but I'm glad he verbalized it. 
Like the plan is to play Gobert in the playoffs. Like you didn't make this trade. You're not paying him all this money for him to ride the bench in the playoffs. So they plan on finding a way to make this work with Gobert on the floor a lot come the postseason. Yeah. And I know it's obvious, right? Like you don't make this move and have Gobert on the bench for long stretches come the postseason. But I'm just glad Finch, you know, volunteered that information. Headline on this episode, Declan, yep. Doogie, Colin, Gobert. Wolves plan to play Gobert in, in playoffs. playoffs. Got, there it is. There's the Breaking. scoop Could right go, there. Could Gobert be benched in playoffs? Question mark. Just in. Let's, uh, yeah, let's let's speculate. All right. Uh, Dukes, empty the rest of the scoop bag. What else do you have for us here? Well, I mean, the group chat, the Wolves group chat has been, you know, pretty excited. I can I tell you, talking to chat. somebody close to Gobert, I, I put this on my latest scoop podcast from from Sunday, episode 391. But, you know, my sense is I haven't spoken directly with Carl Anthony Towns. I'll make that very clear. But my sense is from those who have, you know, and I heard it again yesterday post-press conference that, you know, he's super excited. But so is Gobert. Like, that's why Gobert, he legitimately wanted to be here over those other options. And, again, outside of Chicago, I feel pretty good about suggesting Chicago. You know, outside of, of Chicago, like, I don't know who else it was, but – like, he felt like, hey, with Cat, with Ant, you know, as good as the complimentary pieces in Chicago would have been, Levine, DeRozan. But he felt like with Ant, with Cat specifically, like Gobert was in some ways sick of competing against Cat, figuring, hey, the Wolves are on the on the upswing here in Utah. You know, if we want to do something, we'll probably have to deal with Minnesota for the next few years. Like, that's a really tough battle for me. Why not join forces with him? And my sense is Cat felt the same way, that battling Gobert was a bear. So why not team up, you know, and hey, you know, like we don't protect the rim. We're not a good defensive rebounding team just based on last year's numbers. Like why not get the best rebounder, best rim protector in the league? He can only make me better. So I just, I know Cat is pretty darn excited. Should we transition to the Vikings? Eddie Goldman off the board to the Atlanta Falcons. I'm told the Vikings kicked the tires on the former Chicago Bears interior defensive lineman. That just points to, I still think, as we head toward the start of training camp, July 26th, now 19 days away, that I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Vikings add some big body interior of the defensive line. Love it. Sue remains an option, correct? Yeah, I mean, still I, out well, there. I mean, you know, I think I spewed it to you guys sometime in the last week that, you know, it remains to be seen if the Vikings actually do this, but the Sioux camp firmly believes a Vikings offer is coming. Now, whether okay. Sue says yes, he may have multiple offers, right, by the time training camp starts. So he may ultimately choose to go elsewhere. He may ultimately choose not to play, but there is a belief that a Vikings offer will come. It okay. hasn't come yet, but that it will come. Interesting. Okay. All right. There he is. Reckless. Darren Doogie Wolfson, 5 Eyewitness News, the Scoop Podcast, and uh, right here on Mackie and Judd a couple days a week as well. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. Bye, Doogie. Thanks, Dukes. Bye, boys. Good Thanks, stuff, Dukes. man. All right. Asking uh, the tough questions. Mm. Asking the good questions. Rudy, why, yeah, it was a great question. Why were you chased out of a place where you were at home for so long? Do you feel like they didn't want you they anymore did. in Utah? Why didn't they want you anymore yeah. in Utah? Obviously, they didn't want you there. How does that feel to be Rudy, kicked out? Talk about your falling out in Utah. <laughs> God, I love it. I just love it. Talk you about getting Quinn, booed off the court. In the you playoffs. and Quinn Snyder were chased out of a place that you got to the playoffs year after year. Why was that, Rudy? 
Just ask. That's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's continue on here. Continue on with our reckless speculation. Reckless. Thursday, presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Um, the Federated Challenge is taking place later on this month, and Federated has helped raise with their partners and connections forty-four million dollars since two thousand five for Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is a one-to-one mentoring uh, relationship platform that helps connect bigs with kids in need. And if you want to find out how you can get involved, go to federatedchallenge.org to help with a great organization. So, boys, uh, we'll get to old tweets exposed here as well, but I don't know if this falls under the, the – I guess it's it's kind of reckless speculation. It's more speculating on will this be an innovative thing that the Timberwolves are doing or will it be a train wreck and a disaster? And John Hollinger from The Athletic, who used to be an analytics geek at ESPN.com and then was in the Memphis Grizzlies front office for a few years – he wrote this article, I think last night or this morning, entitled The Timberwolves Big Ball Experiment is Either the NBA's Future or a Future Disaster. I want to read you a couple paragraphs here and get your guys' thoughts on this. All right? Cool. Teams could play small ball on Utah because they didn't fear Gobert's post-ups on the other end. This isn't the case once you put Towns next to him. Now, any cute small ball lineup an opponent puts out there must deal with Carl Anthony Towns mashing them on the block on offense. Mm-hmm. I'll even argue, like, it just makes it easier to shoot threes without contested uh, hands in your face because yes. the, the opposing teams are smaller. The Wolves' bet is, sure, maybe you can score on Gobert in a five-out small ball system, but Towns will score on you so much at the other end that you'll still lose the trade-off. The big picture takeaway from Minnesota's defiant spit into the wind go bear trade is that very few other teams, if any, would have done this type of deal in 2022, even setting aside the breathtaking cost. They're saying just from a strategy standpoint Correct. that this that a lot of teams would say, ooh, too risky. Agreed. And yet it's possible the Wolves are onto something. Call it a last stand or a new dawn for big ball, if you will. Nobody is quite willing to join Minnesota and go all in on this idea just yet. But the pairing of a shot-blocking center with a high-skill center has the potential to be the league's biggest paradigm shift or its biggest disaster. Get your popcorn while we find out. Mm. Okay, that's a really, really in-depth, great way of saying what I've been saying since the trade came down, which is Carl Anthony Towns. This is on him. He has the ability and talent. He is not like we – he is a very big – human being okay but he has god-given skills that are unlike anyone for the most part we've seen so this is why i keep coming back to this is the challenge now to towns he is having everything he doesn't like to do taken off his plate like all of the the carrots are gone man the carrots are gone the string beans they're gone all of it's off his plate. String beans are underrated. A little sea I agree. Salt I like, and I like carrots too. But my point is, his plate now is nothing but steaks and dessert. And this is on him now to thrive here. And and I don't blame other teams for not embracing this because they don't have talents. Like I think what Conley and Finch are saying is, we've got this player who is incredibly special. Because Towns is like like we can we can complain from now until opening night and we're not wrong. He does things that drive you crazy, but when you look at the skill set, right? 
And what did we talk about last year? A lot of things that he didn't thrive on were were more old school big man things. Well, that's all now off his plate. So I think what, and this is why I trust Conley, and I really do trust Finch a lot. Like I think Finch is a very smart coach. Like, I agree. like in retrospect, now the Rosas move to like break rules, I guess, or they not just railroaded all protocol. Just ra- yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it makes perfect sense now. I love the fact that Chris Finch, when they started to talk about this, went to the whiteboard. Because, I mean, this guy's a hoops lifer, right? And basically said, okay, here, here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. So I don't think that this is going to open the door for, like, everyone now to say, well, it worked for the Wolves, so it's going to work for us. I think the genius here is is taking Cat and basically saying we want to and we can in our minds maximize his ability by making a move that most teams can't make. So I'm on board with this. And this is why and and this is now in my mind Phil up to cat. Yeah. Here, here's the other thing cuz in Hollinger within the article and he and he did acknowledge he acknowledged that it's not an apples apples comparison but he was looking at some of the other combinations of big men in the NBA. Well the first one he referenced was Boston just went to the doorstep of an NBA championship with Al Horford and Robert Williams. Well, those guys are a little, that's not a complete apples to apples for, for many different reasons, but it is a good example of, and, and those guys are a little shorter too, just maybe a little bit more nimble in certain areas. Um, but the, but the other example he brought up was in Indiana, Sabonis and Miles Turner Mm-hmm. We're both on the court for several minutes per game together as bigs. And Indiana wasn't a great team. You no, know, they were like a 25-win team. So you could say it really didn't work that well for for Indiana. But this is my beef with – and he and again, he said those guys aren't as good as Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. But that's the entire point. You're not just taking any two big guys and putting them together. You're taking the greatest shooting seven-footer in the history of basketball percentage-wise. Yep. And putting him next to the greatest rim protector of the last 20 years in the NBA. So it's it's one thing if you put JaVel McGee next to <laughs> somebody or Anthony Davis or whatever. This isn't JaVel McGee. This is a first ballot basketball Hall of Famer who's in his prime and just put up career highs in player efficiency rating and block percentage and rebounding percentage, et cetera, et cetera. Next to Carl Anthony Towns, who obviously my beefs with his you know, childish demeanor on the court have been well documented on this show, but in, at the end of the day, he is a unicorn, offensively skilled player that can absolutely take small ball lineups to you know behind the woodshed on offense. And so, the more I think about this, like we're almost a, when when was that trade? Six days ago, it was on Friday. Every single day, I love this trade more. Hearing from different people, both within the Wolves and outside the organization. Watching, literally watching YouTube videos of why the Utah Jazz melted down in some of these playoff games and stuff. There's answers to every question. Right. Let's go back to the premise that John Hollinger paints, which is if there are defensive deficiencies, can the Wolves offset it with size and skill on offense? So you're going to run a small ball lineup out against the Wolves. Let's focus on that small ball lineup playing defense against the Timberwolves. Who's going to grab rebounds? The Wolves are going to have offensive rebounding parties against small ball lineups when those lineups are trying to play defense against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. They're going to lead the league in offensive rebounds if they were to play small ball lineups, right? Okay, you're going to run a, you know, you're going to run a, let's say a six foot eight center out there in a small ball lineup or a six foot seven guy. 
Carl Anthony Towns is going to post him up and just go to the low block. Or you're going to run pick and roll and get Rudy Gobert with those go-go gadget, eight-foot wingspan arms up in the air for either lobs or just dump passes inside. So offensively, and again, you're not replacing a shooter in your starting lineup with Gobert. You're replacing Jared Vanderbilt with Gobert, a guy that also wasn't someone you had to account for on offense. So offensively, I don't think there's really any questions. I think these guys are going to play really well off each other. And to to go beyond those two, I I would say incorporate D'Lo as well. Because, again, we all assumed, including me, well, he got benched at the end of the playoff series and things didn't go well and he's probably gone. And I think that was a safe assumption. But I think what they thought was, okay, D'Lo is still a good option. He can shoot. He clearly needs to be a bit more engaged consistently, but that's true of lots of guys. What can we do again to maximize him? And Gobert is going to do that. I mean, when you think about the fact, what, Finch told those guys that there were five, five last year? Um, um, Yeah, lob dunks. Lob dunks. Five of them. Um, That's ridiculous. And, and again, that's probably not Cat's strength. So Ricky now, Rubio, you, by the way, would be highly offended by this because he was the centerpiece <laughs> of lava, lava soda. Exactly lava soda. right. But but that's important. So I think, again, two veteran basketball guys who are smart have said, if we trade D'Lo right now, we're not going to get a lot. Like, it's not going to go well. well. We'll dump him, but it's not going to go well. What can we do to actually, and in a contract year, and this is the genius of it, in what's certainly going to be a contract year, what can we do to bring out his best when he's going to want to give his best to? Like, I think this trade, so where this trade to me is very different than just a big splash signing or big splash trade that sort of is like, oh, this is exciting, is this one. I think it's like a relationship in this sense. You know, the first few dates are great, right? Like, it's exciting, and you're like, I really like this person, and... And then you start to find the flaws out. And a month or so in, you're like, this isn't what I thought. I think the Wolves have thought this out. And I think they know that this trade has every opportunity to long-term benefit them. You know, with Kirk, which, by the way, I'm not criticizing the signing, but we found out pretty quickly, oh, the head coach doesn't really like him that much, and he doesn't really have a lot of use for a contract like that with a quarterback. Yeah, Ooh, that's he, not he, he wasn't involved in the lead-up to it. He, or he was. He said, I don't want to do it, and they said, exactly. too bad. But, I mean, Herschel, the coach, told the GM, uh-uh, he don't fit. Like, I'm a really good offensive guy. He don't fit. They did it. So, like, that's the first two weeks of dating is great, and then it's like, this is a disaster. This one, I think there's a, enough thought and that that there was enough give and take on all sides that they have gone through how it's going to work. And I think we've learned that's extremely important. Yeah, so the the defensive side poses the most questions, right? And to Hollinger's point, it might be that, yeah, you're going to have some defensive hiccups and deficiencies, and you're you're not going to be able to cover as much space against small ball lineups, but maybe you make up for it by being so dominant offensively. Also worth noting, if you allow – if 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 you take Gobert and just put him off in the corner and open up the lane, that's all right. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to guard a three point shooter out in the corner here, and the lane is open. Well, then you would be giving up just free layups and free dunks on a regular basis. So even if like you go back and watch that second half against the Clippers in Game Six, let's say Gobert would have just regularly gone down into the paint to which he did to to protect the rim against guys who get past the perimeter defense, and then they kick it out for a wide open three. 
Well, there's going to be nights where you just kind of get away with it because teams aren't making 14 of 19 three-pointers. Maybe they only make seven, and you, maybe you can kind of live with that on certain nights. You're still at the mercy of whether they're hitting those three-pointers or not. But the two biggest keys for the Wolves on defense, if Cat and Gobert are on the court at the same time, yep. are going to be how well can the other three guys, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, anybody else that would come in off the bench, mm-hmm. prevent dribble penetration. We're getting way into the weeds here, but this is what's really fun. This is Timberwolves well, basketball football. in the weeds. Right? And I also think, speaking from Chris Finch's perspective, okay, like we, we t- talk about what happens if you play that Clippers team or Golds, what happens when you play Golden State? Chris Finch just watched his team lose a playoff series to the Grizzlies that they, they would have won with Gobert. Correct. So, so like, the, he doesn't look at this and think, well, what's going to happen in 2025 in the Western Conference Finals? He's going to put in the Memphis tape and say, hold on a second here. Um, and so I think the difference is we always think about, well, what's going to happen in the finals in four years? Okay, that's a great thought. That's great fun. But the reality is coaches coaches look at also what just transpired. And that Wolves team was not tough enough, was not defensively sound enough, and sure as hell couldn't protect the rim enough to win a series that, make no mistake, they should have won. And the other thing from Finch's perspective that's important is playoff series, I believe, in basketball and hockey often largely come down to or can come down to the very important part of coaching. And you have to have a plan. And Finch wouldn't say this, but I'm sure he he goes back and watches the Jazz lose and thinks, oh, I would have done this or done that. Here's a wrinkle that they didn't do. So like we, cause, cause we always get into these big picture conversations and the reality is these coaches get way into the minutia, which is incredibly important. And so Finch doesn't look and say, well, if we get a, if that, that Clippers game, they were screwed and Quinn Snyder did a great job. He privately says, here's what they should have done. Yes. So like, there's a lot here to un- unpack, but I just go back to, I think the Wolves, have probably since the day it ended, Phil, watched that Grizzly series and fixated on the fact that they blew an opportunity and how to stop that from happening again. Speaking of just sort of coaching and usage, I want to read you two more paragraphs of this Hollinger piece. It's It, it just brings up a lot of really interesting hypotheticals here. We've seen some small smoke signals uh, indicating that the big ball approach could actually work, even in the pace and space era of NBA basketball. Boston, for example effectively amassed the league's best uh, defense last season by playing two centers at the same time, Al Horford and Robert Williams. Theoretically, attacking Carl Anthony Towns on defense becomes harder now. Sure, opponents can force Towns to switch onto smaller, quicker players, but the flip side is that Towns can crowd the three-point line with his praying mantis, you know, seven and a half, eight foot, whatever, whatever his wingspan is, knowing that Gobert is lurking behind him, much the same way Horford magically looks more solid on defense when Williams is on the court as his backstop. Alternatively, the Wolves can have Towns hard trap ball screens. That's right, hard trap ball screens. Football. Damn. Knowing that Gobert lies in wait to swallow up any odd man rushes created in the half court by a short roll. How about that? Football. So you can essentially have... (laughs) Carl Anthony Towns just wreaking havoc. He's right. not a great defensive player, but could, could you use his size to sort of throw things off on the perimeter? Which, by the way, if he's your only big man on the court, it's pretty risky to put him that high and, and because if they get behind him, now it's like, who's protecting the rim? And they try that at times. Yeah. 
and, and some, generally and sometimes it works because you, yeah. you'll get a hand on a ball and it get you know. You but can, that's asking that's asking something from Cat that I think Cat is not going to thrive at. Now he's going to be put in an exact position to thrive. Man, or it could train wreck, as John Hollinger writes at the end of the article. And you know what? If it train wrecks, whatever, then you trade one of them for a couple first-round picks next year or the year after. I don't know what train wrecks with this coach. But there's always a way out. People are making this sound like there's no way out now. This is it. Okay. Well, uh, well, so if it doesn't work in the next couple years and they don't do anything in the playoffs, you're telling me that you can't trade Rudy Gobert for a couple first-round picks at age 32, still a great defensive player? You can't trade Carl Anthony Towns with four years left in his prime or whatever. Like, there's there's always a move. There's always something. And Anthony Edwards, that's the thing about all this. Anthony Edwards is, if you're going to win a championship at some point, he's the guy that's going to be the driver of this thing. And he's 20 years old, 21 years old. So he's only going to benefit from this team being better, from their, just being a leader like Gobert on the court, in the locker room. I'm struggling to see all of the... Declan brought it up a couple days ago on statements. He was the first one to say, what are we worried about? Who cares if it doesn't work out to a championship level? This is this is going to make the Wolves relevant and play competitive playoff basketball. And, and maybe, as John Hollinger says, maybe they are creating a paradigm shift in the NBA. We'll have to wait and see. And the, these, the idea of the paradigm shift, I mean, this happens all the time. It happened in hockey like eight years ago where you had a bunch of young guys like Johnny Goudreau came in and, and it was all about these young, smaller dudes. Martin St. Louis, you know, before him, whereas these smaller guys, oh, you got need the small forwards. Forget about the big, bruising, physical, six-foot-four power forwards that can just crash the net. And then the paradigm shifted back to that a little bit. You saw the Florida Panthers last year in hockey be the best offensive team in the NHL by far. President's Trophy. They're going to steamroll their way to the Stanley Cup. They face adversity, and they got swept by Tampa Bay in the second round. Last year in the NBA, Boston Celtics, right? Number one defense in the, in the NBA. Not going to blow you away necessarily with their three-point. You don't look at their three-point shooting on paper and say, man, they're really scary. But their defense is what really carried them, and they were two games away from winning an NBA championship. So paradigms in sports are always shifting. They're always changing. Baseball, same thing with relievers and, and, and starting pitching now, right? Like we're now in super bullpen mode. It, it's, it's a normal thing in sports that things will just obviously eventually change. Well, and don't forget, too, with Cat, you've got a special player, and I love the fact that they are now saying, go to it. Like this is a great challenge for him. This is exactly what you should do with a star player at this juncture of his career, which is to say, you're really good. You've done a lot of good things. And now it's time to take a step. Um, This is going to, in one way or another, basically flush him out, either as a superstar who's unbelievable or he can't do it. Like this is go. This is the final challenge. And I love that. No, seriously, this (laughs) is where you got to, this is his final, this is his final challenge. This is where we're going to find out. Like, We've always like been like, well, if Cat had this, if Cat had that, right? Well, now he's got that. This is this is it for him. And if he goes the right direction, there's championship potential. Yeah, yeah this is. I love man, that. This is just it's. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun to. I mean, we have to wait three months until they actually, like, I think training camp is like. Or, but now summer league is this week, and we're going to get to see. Yep. Yeah, the Vegas Summer League. We're already watching the the Salt Lake City Summer League with some of the other teams. So we're going to get a little taste of some young players, but we won't get to actually watch what this thing looks like for you know three three and a half months. Shout out! Uh, we posted an episode yesterday. Kyle Tige and I 
uh, Flagrant Howls, our new Timberwolves podcast under the Mackie and Judd umbrella, Scornorth YouTube channel. So Judd's hockey show has always had its little island, and you've always been asking, when are you going to have your little basketball island? Well, we have it now. We're two episodes in to Flagrant Howls. Kyle was on a plane to Mexico, I think, for a wedding or something. Yeah, he tweeted. So, so he landed. He was he had the Wi-Fi on the plane, and, and and he still had access to the Wi-Fi as they were landing, and saw, oh my God, they traded for Gobert, but he didn't see what the return was. Mm. But as soon as the wheels hit the ground, the Wi-Fi went out, and you don't get reception when oh. you're in Mexico. So he had to, he had to like go to the I don't I know. He so went. Bad. He he found some connection in the airport or something. But yeah, interesting Wi-Fi experience. Went out? Well, yeah, like when, yeah, when the, you, like the plane, the, the plane, plane landed. Wifi. Oh, and the then plane landed. Okay, okay, your cellular, you. you know, not all cellular yeah, devices yeah, yeah. work. So once you're one, but once you get off the plane, you're fine. Okay, okay. I, I no, once like you get off the once you get off the plane, you're you have to. Well, you could find Wi-Fi somewhere else, but your if your phone doesn't work in a different country, then you're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah you're screwed. That's, you know what? That's why I don't leave this country. <laughs> that's why. That's if a big exactly. trade goes down. I ain't leaving this country. Uh, hey, you brought up string beans and carrots earlier in the show here. What does your regimen look like on Livia? You can have oh. a little fun with it. You don't have to just, oh, yeah. just be eating yeah. string beans for every meal. Some exciting news, too. This just in, I, as we, we were talking about the, the wolves, I t- told you this last week. Dawn has joined me on the weight loss lifestyle program. And and she just went to the to the center today. Down 10 pounds. Wow. She's now down 10 pounds. So the Judd and Don weight loss, Livia lifestyle program, it's working great. I'm down, of course, I've been talking about this for a while, 40 pounds. I'm maintaining that. Dawn has lost 10 pounds on her weight loss journey as well. And you know what? Teamwork is extremely important because we're supportive of each other now. You make meals together that are healthy. And here's the best part. Simple Start Plan, only $59. So like you and your wife, girlfriend, you can join too. Start to drop the weight today. I'm going to tell you right now, together, it's even more fun. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Livia.com, inside the state or or out, because you can basically do the entire thing, or you can virtually. Livia.com. Let me suggest, though, doing it with your wife or girlfriend is a great idea. Because the satisfaction and the teamwork is really rewarding. Love it. All right. Every Thursday, Declan goes into the Twitter archives and finds incriminating things that we have tweeted, things that are wrong in retrospect. It's called Old Tweets Exposed here on Mackie and Judd. Okay. So um, I told you about the Norv Turner tweets that I wanted to bring to the light when we did a pecking order a few weeks ago. Um, And I'm going to bring those to the show. But... I also did a little uh, Walker Kessler cleanse because I wanted to say, did we have any Walker Kessler takes in you know, the, the seven days that Walker Kessler was here in Minnesota? And we didn't. We had nothing incriminating. But when I typed in Kessler, I found a really interesting Phil Mackey tweet about the Cleveland Browns that needs to be exposed and just talked about. People ripping on the Browns for not drafting a quarterback. I commend them. Take another look at Cody Kessler in 17, pounce on a quarterback in 18. <laughs> what, 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 what struck you to, to have Cody Kessler takes on draft night in uh, 2017? I don't remember. Were you drunk? It was, uh, it's late. So, it's 11 So this o'clock. was 2017 draft night. Well, no, this would have been draft night. I was, yeah. I was, I was working. working. But why am I tweeting about the Browns? So people ripping on the Browns for not drafting a quarterback. I commend them. Take another look at Cody Kessler in 17. I think what I'm... I think what I'm saying there is don't reach for a quarterback. You had a 
I think Cody Kessler must have played some games or something in 2016. And uh, oh my god, what Johnny, Johnny K say? Some people who cheered them wildly for trans. Oh yeah, there you go. Same people who cheered them wildly for trading up to take Brady Quinn. Oh yeah, okay. and, and for trading up to get Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Look at you and Johnny yeah. having some uh, some Cleveland Browns drafting. Johnny and I go way back. Johnny and I go way back. Um, Cody Kessler in 2016 went 0-8 for the Browns, but he did throw six touchdowns to only two interceptions okay. and had a 92.3 passer rating. So I think what I was saying is, yeah, why don't you go? And he was a third-round pick by the Browns in 2016. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Better to give him another shot and wait for a better quarterback draft. I think that's all I was saying. And then didn't they wind up with Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Yeah, that worked out. Who was pretty good for them for a couple of years. It worked out great. Got traded. Carolina. He took them to the playoffs. What are the Browns doing? They're back to being the Browns. But I mean, what the hell are they doing? What What do you mean, what are they doing? They have a quarterback who might be suspended indefinitely. And he'll play at some point. (laughs) A couple of years from now. Who will his coach be? (laughs) Poor Kevin Stefanski's going to. Well, they might get a fourth-round pick if Baker Mayfield plays, like, 70% of the snaps. Or fifth-round pick. What's Sam round Darnold pick? and oh. Baker Mayfield on the same team? That's a pillow fight. All right. So there's my Cody Kessler take. Exposed. All right, here's your North Turner take. If I'm a head coach looking to mix things up, I'd probably hire oh, wow. North Turner as my O coordinator and Lovey Smith as a D coordinator. December 31st, 2012. Look at you. Yeah. Spewing, I called it. Spewing North Turner. You did. You did call it. I'm, I'm giving you credit here, yeah. Um, you call that was, North before, right, that was before write that down was a thing. Yeah. We, Judd and I hadn't even started know, doing our show together. I know you don't get a point. Retroactively, I feel like I deserve No, no, no. no. Doogie doesn't get two one. points for a good question. You don't get a point for that. I don't remember at all tweeting or thinking that, so I'm not, not really sure what. Maybe Nor, I think Norv Turner must have just gotten fired. Maybe Lovey Smith and Norv Turner just got Lush fired charges. or something. That's probably what it was. Well, speaking okay. of uh, Colin, let's, let's, look at, uh, let's look at what I had to say on this. Who knows? Maybe Zimmer keeps himself as a Norv defensive Turner. coordinator and Norv Turner on the offense, and I'm liking the sound of this. I'm liking the sound of a Norv Turner-Mike Zimmer relationship here, even though it uh, failed miserably. Well, not miserably. Okay, was this, was this, there must have been reports, by the way, classic Declan misspelling Turner there, too. Yep. I sort of like Norv Truner. Truner. Could change his ID. <laughs> I'm not I'm Norv not Turner. Turner. I'm Norv Truner. <laughs> Norv Truner, what are you talking about? Norv Truner, P.I. I'm uh, here to investigate your <laughs> offense. Norv Truner. All right, Judd Zolgat. We're all very excited for that pairing. It was a good pairing for, like, I don't know, a few months. Um, oh, yeah. May 8th, 2014. Right. My thoughts on the QB decision. Norv Turner might be the most important person sitting in Winter Park right now. <laughs> yeah? Well, yeah it I, wasn't Norv in on Teddy? Norv yeah, was the fact, Teddy guy, the, right? Yeah, because Teddy had the bad pro day because he wore, didn't wear gloves. Didn't wear the gloves. And then Norv went down to Miami and told told Rick and Mike, I will work him out privately, and he's the one, I think, that came back and said, And he can wear two pairs of gloves on each hand if he wants to. And you know what? He was right. He can wear mittens. He was right. That was a a really good pick there. It's too bad it didn't work out. I think Judd gets the win for calling Norv Turner the most important person in the building and then just being gone like a year later. Well, one is I think you win. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. No, he was the most important person. Was he? Yeah. More important than Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. He told him to draft Teddy? He was an important person. I don't know that he was the he most important draft person. Because Rick said, I, I don't know. I can't identify a quarterback to save my life. And he was right about that. 
So there it is, old tweets exposed here on Mackie and Judd. But I'll take the win if I can get it, sure. <laughs> or the L, I guess. I don't know how this works. Or whatever it is, I don't care. I, I'll take it. Tomorrow we're going to go uh, Feedback Friday. We'll, we'll, we're collecting all of your thoughts. And there's some stuff going back two weeks, too, because we didn't really – I don't think we did Feedback Friday last Friday as we took a, a long weekend. And then we're thrust into the Rudy Gobert conversation. But uh, Action Movie Rewind tomorrow as well, Face Off, another mid-'90s classic. Judd's first time, I think, ever seen this notes. movie. Yeah, watched yeah. it on Monday. Watched, watched Already it last got all night. my notes. Watched Very interesting. I have a couple questions off that that I'll save for <laughs> no, just for a tomorrow. Couple. Yeah, a lot of logistical <laughs> two questions. questions. Yeah. The rest of it's very plausible. <laughs> all right, uh, that's a wrap. Mackie and Judd on this reckless speculation Thursday to all who celebrate. We'll see you guys tomorrow.